Welcome to another edition of TSC Music's Music with a Mission, where our purpose is to perpetuate and promote the Christian and positive idea through the medium of music and other arts. We're so glad you've joined us this week as we take a look back at recent events here in the metropolitan area. Hundreds of thousands of people were affected here in the Northeast by the recent Hurricane Sandy. And we're glad to report that Times Square Church has been on the ground in relief efforts since the beginning. You're going to hear some of that a little later. But we've got some stories from some people who were directly affected by this storm. And yet they have experienced God's incredible power, His peace, in the midst of the storm. Stay with us as you are sure to be encouraged and maybe even challenged. say maybe one percent of what a lot of people been through in the storm my lights went out basically and my um my heat went out and it it happened right after the storm and we our home just basically turned to a camping trip like we'd start lighting candles and we haven't ate around the table in a while i have a pretty big family like seven, eight people, and we always have add-ons there. And the first night we were able to come together and sit at our table and, and eat as a family, something that we normally don't do. And my main um, my main concern with my family was they would really understand what's going on right now because at times we find ourselves complacent and we hear struggles on the news, but we... You know, we, we're not really touched with what's going on. And just that little time that our lights went out, my family, they really felt what was going on. So um, we were um, receiving the, the um, daily devotions from Pastor Carter, and my kids, they just became mobile. They just start going back and forth to the church and helping out. And it was really a blessing to watch that. But one of my one of my um, twins, I, I realized that while we were home and spending time together, she was reading more than she normally does. And she was reading a cross and a switchblade. And she just kept reading and reading and reading. And, and like, I watched God just got after her just in the, you know, in the midst of us having our little camping trip home. Um, the Lord spoke to her and she just was weeping and whatnot. And, and, um, she gave her life back to the Lord. And um, I do have one main um, um, issue that we went through, and it actually was, it really was a miracle. Um, around the seventh day, 
it started to get cold. We um, kids kind of got tired of eating grow food from outside. But um, the, the, I had picked up a generator for the church and brought it down here, and my my um, we needed one in our house. So the generator stayed here, and it, it basically was here for two days. And whoever was supposed to get it, they didn't pick it up. So I called. I asked, "Hey, did the people pick up the generator?" He said, "No." Do you need one? I said, "Yeah, I need one." So I took the generator back to my house, and I parked it in a certain area. Um, I have like a shed that's attached to my basement. I parked it there. Now you're supposed to really have it outside, but the shed is outside. But it's the the door closes, so the carbon monoxide that was accumulating was accumulating in my basement. I went upstairs and I didn't realize that was happening until I heard a boom, and the generator end up from on a level area to the steps, and I was like, "How did this happen?" Like. Who, who moved the generator? So when I went downstairs, it was smoke all in the basement. I was like, oh, God, what am I doing? And I felt like God told me I moved it because the whole house would have been filled with, and you know, we would have died in the middle of the night. And I was shocked at the miracle, but... I know that God watches over us. And my kids, everybody was like, that was God. That was God. They was all excited. And I was like, wow, Lord, you you take, you watch over us. Even in our foolishness, you watch over us. Because if I wouldn't have heard the boom, my whole house would have been filled with carbon monoxide. So that was one of the highlights of uh, you know, our, our time um, dealing with the, the, the out aftermath of the storm, and I, I, I'm truly thankful. Just that's that God. I know that the Lord watches over us, regardless of of um, His hands is on us, and He and ultimately in the in the time that we were going through our issues, we had such a peace, and our neighbors came by. Like one of our neighbors that we never really see, really. She don't come to our house. He's Haitian. She just starts sharing with us about what she go through, basically what she's been through in our country, you know, with voodoo, you know, stuff, basically. And here it is, it's Halloween, and the lights are out, and we have someone sharing about, you know, spooky stuff, basically. But my kids grab the guitar, and they just start worshiping and start singing songs that God had gave them in this little time. And she ended up praying with us and everything. And and she didn't give her life to the Lord, but she ended up praying with us. And it was just such a blessing that she did that because I know that God is after her. And she's she she don't live next to us next to us for nothing. So just you know, just the blessing in that and the peace that was there was forget it. I mean it was it was getting cold. But there was no there was no real complaints and I have a house full of young ladies and women and they dealt with it, so amen. The storm was an interesting uh walk of faith. I had some friends, very dear friends, who were gonna come stay with me. 
And uh, as it turned out, they decided to stay in their home. They're Christians. They trust God. And they had two little children, and she's expecting. So I knew once they had decided to stay that they listened to the Lord and that God would see them through. But it was a long night, a very long night, because they live in the Rockaways. And as it was so interesting because the Lord had prepared all of us for this. And Pastor William had been speaking Friday nights about the crossing of the Red Sea and uh, a great deal of talk about that moment before the sea opened, that night before, the entire night. And that teaching ministered to me, and it ministered to my friends as well, because when we read the book of Exodus, when we read that, we don't we don't. We know the end, and um, what we were focusing on was that night as the sea was opening. The, it says in the Word that the wind blew all night, and the sea opened. Very much the same experience, and how frightening that must have been, this howling wind all night, the sea opening right before your eyes. Even though it's part of God's plan, you're in the midst of His will. It's frightening you know, as the time goes through. So we just trusted him throughout the night, and it was just an amazing thing. They sent me some pictures of the ocean. And in their case, the Lord did not let the water touch their home. In fact, the husband went out and spoke and said, this far and no further. And the foam of the sea came to their doorstep, but they never flooded. Nothing happened to them. And here God has them now prepared as a place where they can minister to others in the midst of this place. In, in other cases, God allowed the water into people's homes, and it doesn't mean he wasn't with them. You know, he was with them too, you know. He just had a different plan and maybe a longer-term plan. So that was, you know, my experience at, at home, in my home. We were uh, in Manhattan and the northern portion up in Washington Heights, and the wind is very dangerous up there. It it can be. And my building happens to be a steel building that moves a lot. So, you know, our our artwork on the wall was moving like three inches off the wall and things like that, and some people thought we might need to exit the building, but uh, I knew we were safe there, and we never really suffered much at all, but we saw what others were going through. And then you don't know how you can help. And it was just so wonderful. I came here to the church because at first, you know, you don't have Internet service. You don't know what to do, but we gather together. And I came to the church, and Treg just had something simple. You know, you think maybe you're going to go do something big. And he had something simple for me to do. And um, so he just said, we have an elderly person who's had surgery recently, and we don't know, you know, if they're okay. Nobody's been able to reach them. So um, I walked down into the 30s, that's where it was, and a little concerned, what if I can't get through and all of these things, what would I do if there is something wrong? But I came in, I finally got through and uh, got upstairs. He has a walk-up building, he just had a pacemaker put in, so, you know, I was like, oh, I don't want him to have to walk down to answer the door for me, right? But the Lord provided somebody else, and I went up and had a wonderful time visiting with him, and I felt so blessed just to be part of the body of Christ. He didn't particularly need me, but we need one another, you know? And I was really blessed by that. So that day, I went back home, and I came in the next day. 
And, of course, I had um, visions of what I was going to do because I had seen on the Internet. And I thought, well, I'll go visit more elderly people because that was wonderful. And I was going to go to Stytown and um, made the calls and everything. But, again, things don't always turn out the way you think. I arrived here. And um, Misty was just putting together um, a drive, so to speak, something to meet the immediate need for coats and blankets and such with um, doorman buildings. You know, it's interesting because you you want to organize it the best. You want to do the best you can. But really, you just need to go with it and let God lead and sometimes feel a little stupid or maybe you should be doing it better, but you just do it. You know, you just do it and you go forward with it and you watch what God does, you know. So it was an interesting thing because at first I thought, okay, well, I know the management companies. I'll call them up. and I'll. So I started placing some calls and started realizing how complex that was getting. So we just had boxes that were gathered. Some of them were banana boxes. Some of them were this or that. And we just organized and sent people out to the immediate area and asked, can we leave a box here for the relief effort? And um, we prepared the people. Some people will say no because they don't know. But it was remarkable how many people said yes and how quickly it went out. And, again, I couldn't go out into the field because I was organizing everything. Sometimes you feel more significant if you're in the field, you know. And um, so instead, I, w- I was here organizing, but I got to rejoice with each person would contact me. Oh, there's one at this building. There's one at that building. And, you know, participate in the follow-up. And um, one thing that kind of, we only were going to leave the boxes for about three hours. But we got this whole new group of people about 5 o'clock at night. And we weren't really thinking we would be organizing more volunteers at that time. And uh, something that's really close to my heart is that when people want to help, I want to help them help. I don't want to turn them away, you know. So it was the perfect um, small ministry where people from other churches were coming to our church, people from all sorts of places. And I could just so simply say, take this box, see who will take it, and just let me know. And then we'll pick it up later. It was as simple as that. And uh, so we just organized that, organized some pickup for the same day, and then organized some pickup for the next week. And the city is so generous. When we saw things coming in, I saw brand new blankets, shearling jackets and coats, like really nice things. I mean, we saw some that wasn't as nice, but it was all useful and it was all good. And I was just really blessed by that. And even the following week, I had to call from a doorman. Um, well, they picked some up, but they left the box, and now it's overflowing again. I'm like, oh, okay. And um, so there was no one to pick it up, so I convinced my husband to go with my little car. And my husband, again, is trying to be more organized, do it better, and I'm, like, just shoving stuff in the car, <laughs> just shoving it. and then just bringing it to the church and, like, okay, somebody help me bring this up. You know, it was it was always um, – it, it was always, it was never elegant or wonderful, but it was always God was in it, you know. And you could always say, oh, it could have been done better, but it was done just right, you know. That, that's, that's the way God blessed me during the storm and enabled me to feel that I could help out. Well, when Hurricane Sandy hit uh, the staff at Times Square Church, you know, our first priority um, is to make sure that our respective ministries um, that the people are okay. And I'm the choir administrator. And so from home, I was, fr- 
you know, pretty frantically trying to contact 140 people. And thank God, many people's phones were still working. Uh, I was emailing, I was calling, trying amidst my own uh, internet (laughs) issues, of course. But, you know, within a few days, we had contacted about 100 people of the 140. But that does tell you, of course, how how difficult it was for so many because I knew that the people that weren't returning my emails or calls didn't have a phone. They didn't have internet connection. They probably didn't have electricity at all. Uh, so those were the people we needed to get in contact with the most because uh, we wanted to help them if they needed it. But thank God that not one person was lost and not one family member was lost. Um, everyone was safe. There were many, many that lost power for a long time. Um, we had one person who is still displaced who lived on Rockaway, but thankfully has family uh, that they are staying with. Uh, so that was a real priority for me. Uh, and following the choir, we contacted the rest of the music ministry um which is another 150 people. So, you know, it was it was a long process, but it, it gave me such um, gratefulness to God that each one was safe. And, you know, it's funny. My, my husband couldn't go to work. He works down in the financial district, and he couldn't go to work. And so we, he and I, and we brought, and my two-year-old son, we came to the church, and we were ready to help with whatever was needed. And my husband, Scott, he thought, oh, well, you know, I'm, I'm strong and able. I can go out if they need me to go out to one of the sites that was hardest hit. And it turned out the God works in funny ways. When you're able and willing, he'll use you for whatever. And one of the mission staff here, they just needed a hand organizing. They had so much on their plate, the missions office. And so my husband just helped sending out the teams, just, you know, 30 people to this spot, 30 people to that spot. Um, showing them where to go. So he was so happy at the end of the day to be able to be used. um, And it was such a joy to see the volunteers streaming in. Um, It was so funny. I I was in the music office um, with people who were not in the music ministry because all the music ministry was out doing something. And I had a team of people that the missions office had sent in here. They were researching bulk ordering of blankets and coats um, with larger companies. So they were on the phone, they were on their email, and they needed de- workstations. So it worked out. You know, the music ministry was full of missions people. <laughs> it was it was really cool to see how God used each person. Um, maybe not in the way we thought, but every person was used.
God is incredible. God is with you. God is aware of your struggle. God is ready to forgive. God is powerful. God is your friend. God is a good listener. God is for you. God is willing to God help. God is and always will be. God is able to God protect. Is God good. is power to change. God is a provider. God is Jesus. God is here. God now. is the one who loves you. God is merciful. God is the husband to the widow. God is the one with your hands. God is there when no one else is. TSC Music Radio. Where God is. Fear. It's one of the most powerful weapons that Satan has against you. Once he has gotten you with fear, then he will take your faith. Because fear is actually the opposite of faith. The Lord said, have I not commanded you? Be strong and of good courage. Be not afraid, neither be thou dismayed. For the Lord thy God is with thee whithersoever thou goest. Now fear is when we look at the size of the opposition that we have to encounter and dismay comes when we look inside and don't see enough strength to fight the battle. God's word was don't let fear or dismay get a hold of you because it's not about you. It's about Christ in us. That's the good news. Paul says to Timothy, for God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and love and a sound mind. He's not given us a spirit of fear. Fear not. When that simple word gets into your heart, that's where the sound mind comes from. Fear not. I don't have to be afraid. You don't have to be afraid. Face your fears and overcome them by the power of God. Face them now. It's very hard to get right with God in a season of panic. There are going to be many things in the future that are going to cause fear. And some things are causing fear today. But for the child of God, God says to you, fear not. That's where your sound mind will come from. Fear not. I know what fear can do. I was paralyzed by it for over nine years. But I know when I came to Christ and made a choice of going all the way with Him and walking with Him, there's no fear in my heart. If you will make that choice, you'll be astounded at the power of God that is available for you. Power, love, and a sound mind. That's what comes from God. And it only comes from God. It only comes. Pastor Carter Conlon's new book, Fear Not, Living Courageously in Uncertain Times, is now available at Barnes & Noble, Amazon.com, and wherever Christian books are sold. Well, my experience um, with regards to Hurricane Sandy, I'm a registered nurse, but I'm also a nurse educator. So even though I wasn't on the forefront taking care of the patients physically, um, my role was in the background. So we had a few hospitals that had to evacuate their patients to us. So the hurricane came Monday night, so we started getting their patients around, say, 11 o'clock, right through. And with their patients came their nurses. So um, pretty much we have had to just do a quick orientation with every group of nurses that came in, orienting them to the key things that we do in order to deliver safe care. So since the Monday of that hurricane to now, we have oriented, uh, I would say, close to 700 nurses from that particular hospital. And so the impact that has had on me as an educator, my shift has changed. I'm not after, we now have to work weekends. Um, we always had night educators, but now we have had to have 24-hour coverage. 24 hour coverage. Um, so pretty much my job has basically been the background. Then when we orient the nurses, we have to follow up with them on the units to make sure that, you know, they're, they're okay and um, they're doing things our way. 
basically. Um, I've always been praying for patience and um, God has a sense of humor. And so I have been placed in situations where I've had to exercise that patience or I feel my impatience rising up. And um, the funny thing, in areas that where I thought I blew it, People come up to me and say, oh, Miss Clark, I could never do what you do. You just hold it together. I'm like, really? I was a frazzle back there. But so what I think, I think God answered that area. Even though I think I blew it, people, even the nurses that we're orienting, they're like, I don't know, you guys hold it together. You guys are doing it. And um, so for me, really, there can be chaos, but there's order in chaos. And um it, for us with the department, the department that are working, a group of educators, um, it has shown we, we're really like just down to the bear right now. So it's basically just you really have to be mindful of what you say and how you say it and when you say it because everyone is basically, including myself, on edge. You know, just working shifts that you have never worked. And one thing I must say during the hurricane we had to sleep over. So I went to work early Monday morning, 5 a.m., the Monday of the hurricane. I didn't get home until Wednesday evening. And that in itself was just God. I took a bus from my hospital down to Manhattan Bridge, and I hitchhiked a ride over the bridge, and I got home. And the great part about that, the man, uh, there was this was a couple, and they took me straight to my gate. I offered them the fair and they declined so that I know is God because he could have just dropped me over the bridge and left me stranded but he took me to my house so God did show up in the in you know in the little things um, and we're still going um, so for us basically just the change of routine and this is it's just ongoing <laughs> my prayer requests would be um, unity among my department so we all work in solidarity work together as a group some of us are thrown in to do areas that we are not experts in and um, you know just to just to pray that we go through this as a, as a team and also that even though the orientation is is rushed and you know, trying to get nurses who are not familiar with the hospital up to speed, that the care that they give would not be a reflection. It won't come back to say, oh, this is a reflection of what was shared, you know, taught to us. So basically, just to know that God reigns, really, because I even hear even unbelievers in my department that saying this has to be something bigger than us. This has to be something bigger than us. So just to... um, Yes, it was a superstar, but as the pastor said today, we have a super savior. And um, every chance I get at work, I throw the Lord's name in, you know. <laughs> Lord, help me, Lord, you know. But um, I would crave prayers in that regard to just pray for the group of educators. There are like 20 of us, and um, we have doing stuff. We have been stretched beyond what we have always done. So, yeah, that night we were at home paying attention to all the news and everything that was going on. We we had our electricity and everything, and uh, I mean, we live on Staten Island, so we were we weren't in the zone where you're supposed to get evacuated. But anyway, so everything was fine until about like eight, nine o'clock. I can't remember exactly, but I heard some noise outside, so I ran outside to see what was going on, and everything was frantic and crazy. And uh, uh, you know, we're a, we're like a mile away from the water, but when I went outside, I looked. I looked at my next door neighbor's house, and the water was all the way up to his house, and people were already uh, waist deep in water, and cars were already submerged. So 
I started freaking out, thinking I was going to have to move the cars and uh, get the cars out of there, my landlord and uh, and our car. And I, I, the only thing is I wasn't sure where to go. So we just kept watching to to see how far the water would come. And eventually, it, you know, it didn't come any further. It just it started subsiding. It had already, you know, peaked and kind of went down. Um, but we never lost power and everything. But, you know, we knew that if the water was that far up, one mile into Staten Island, and people were already flooded on our block, we could imagine how – you know, what in the world was going on for all the people that were closer to the water. And it wasn't so really a couple of days later, um, probably Wednesday after the storm, that we first started to get a little bit of an idea of how bad the devastation was, especially in Staten Island, um, because the news wasn't covering it at that point, not, not until about Wednesday, um, because so many people were out of power and they couldn't get signals out. So it was wasn't even reported the devastation that was there um but we started talking to friends and started even through online and a lot of social media um started to to see how bad it really was yeah so i mean we basically what started to go on is we started looking at tumblr uh, you know the social media you know tumblr instagram uh twitter and all the kids that from the area were all, were they were using these uh, you know they were posting it and talking about how horrible uh, what was going on there and stuff. So we started getting more information of what was actually happening there in Staten Island from from uh, all those areas. So you know you're feeling kind of hope, helpless and there's no gas and you're kind of you know you're having to you're not really sure what to do. So and we never lost power at at our house. So we started just trying to get the word out that that Staten Island was you know that it was a lot worse than than even the news was reporting. So we just started uh, hashtagging on Twitter and uh, Instagram and, and uh, Tumblr and Facebook and uh, Google Plus and just any you know because each one of those has its own little pocket of people and different people are reporting on those areas. So we just started like taking that in and then reposting and reblogging and re you know just reshooting out so almost kind of just trying to create some awareness and and, and share with our friends and uh, also share with uh, the public you know that we're already on Twitter so I so news would come in and then we would we would blast it back out and it felt like uh, you know even though um, like we were doing something just at least to create some kind of you know a, a little teeny horn going beep 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 you know Staten Island Staten Island and the, but the more we read about uh, what was actually going on, and you know the devastation and the lives lost, and just horrific, horrific things that happened just right down the road from us. I remember at one point just feeling really overwhelmed and like we got to get out and do something. Like, what do we do? How do we help? And uh, you know, beyond even just uh, you know sharing information, um, but you know, I I regularly check a website called FreeCycle where you can post things uh, that you have to get rid of, or you can post things that you're looking for. And if somebody in your neighborhood has it for free, um, you can, you kind of link up. And um, I think the next day after that, I just was first thing in the morning. Uh, well, first, I'd just been praying, like, God, what do we do? Like, show us how we can help here in our neighborhood, in our community. And uh, but the, ne- the next morning, I just opened up looked at my phone and one of the first emails I saw was uh, a posting on FreeCycle of a woman who was uh, in our neighborhood who had lost everything to the flood, um, who was disabled and was needing some medical supplies and and a hairdryer of all things. <laughs> um, so I said, you know what, I can meet this need. I have a hairdryer that I don't ever use and I know through the church where we can you know, get hands on medical supplies through our missions. And so I contacted her, I took her my hairdryer, and I worked out how to get her the rest of the things she needed, wheelchair and such. Um, and I w- was able to go and see her two times and really just able to 
uh, spend some time with her, pray with her. I mean, even before the storm, what she'd been through was uh, incredible. But I was just so blessed to be able to to go and, and meet one need that way. And then from there, I started posting uh, on FreeCycle, look, if you need help, let me know. And from there, have have been able to link up with some other needs and just to be able to meet one specific need here and one specific need there. We, you know, Pastor Carter said in uh, his sermon recently, we can't do everything, but we can do something. And I've been so blessed just to be able to do something here and there. Yes. Yeah, so as things started slowing down, we just kept, you know, the church was obviously putting together a, a quickly, you know, a relief effort and, volu- and gathering volunteers and all that. So they started posting on the on the on tscnyc.org uh, how people could help. So we started reposting that, and before you know it, uh, you know, they uh, there was like little. Um, Groups headed to Staten Island and uh, volunteering, and uh, not little groups, a lot of groups going on daily. And so, uh, since the area was right down from where we live, we would just go down, started going down there, and uh, and signing up to volunteer. And you would just go into the house, you know, and, and basically they're real organized. You know, you 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 show up, you uh, you sign up. They uh, give you a mask, they give you gloves, they give you tools. They 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 assemble a little team there. Um, and then they send you out. There's houses that they have on a list that they've already compiled, and and so then they they'll say, okay, we're going to send you to so and so house. Uh, you know, so you and your team would go to that house. You, there would be a team leader, and that team leader would tell you what to do. So you would be like, you know, breaking the sheetrock out, or I mean, the first day was just basically clearing out furniture and clearing out like debris and. And uh, because the neighborhood was a wreck, I mean, you know, so it was all just going and digging and pulling and arranging and clearing and all that kind of stuff. It wasn't until a little later on, you know, days later where you could actually go and and actually get into homes and and start knocking out sheetrock and, you know, basically stripping all these houses down that down to just the wood, you know, because because everything had to go. And uh, I mean. Obviously, the, the, all those pictures are out there, but you can, you know, so just being able to go and do something. And it's real simple. And uh, that was the other thing was that uh, I think a lot of people wanted to help and didn't know how to help. That's why I think the website was so helpful because you can just check the website. If you wanted to volunteer, you could. If you wanted to give something, you could. If you wanted – if there was – the website made it possible for you to determine how you could help. And you still can. You can go to tscnyc.org, uh, you know, ongoing blog that you can check regularly. You can you, – you sign up and they'll blast you with uh, how you can help the when you can, teams are going out and what's what the needs are the needs are constantly changing so one day it's one need the next day it's another need so on October 29th the largest Atlantic hurricane on record made landfall in New Jersey causing massive devastation throughout the tri-state area Times Square Church is partnering with churches, government, local, and relief organizations to provide assistance and resources to those affected by Hurricane Sandy. Volunteers will be needed over the next several weeks, from assisting in temporary shelters to providing medical care and working in cleanup crews throughout New York and New Jersey. To find out what you can do to help, visit tscnyc.org and click on Hurricane Sandy Relief. The needs are evolving rapidly, and new volunteer opportunities are posted daily, so check back often.
basically, um, I, I have interest out in Rockaways because I'm from Rockaway originally, and um, my mother is still out there actually. And I just got it's funny because I just got off the phone with her, and she just got a, a phone back up. I was contacting her. I was like, "Mom, what's going on?" You know, because she lost her car. Uh, she was safe in terms of apartment, but because she lived on the eighth floor, but the, the elevator is damaged, the ball is down, and she still has no heat. Um, about five, six days ago, she just got her electricity back up, so she was out for about 17 days in darkness, which I was walking around with candles, and I bought food and supplies. Uh, just a story of the goodness of God. Um, Andrew the Trumpet, him and his wife live out there. They're on 72nd Street, so the, the Saturday after the storm, I went out there to Howard Beach to do cleanup for um, Nicole Camby house. And then um, Ben, I guess Ben Hughes, he was like, oh, I'm going to Rockaway. So I said, hey, my mother's out there. I haven't spoken to her in about uh, five, six days. He said, hey, come on. So we drove out there, and as we're driving through Broad Channel, we see boats in the middle of the road and femurs out there, um, houses like flooded out, some boats in people's backyards and their front porches and you know, so we hit over the bridge and we drive out, and it's like, uh, for me, living out there is almost like a third world country to find boardwalks and people's front doors, and I mean, not just pieces of the wood, but the whole boardwalk just floating in people's, it's just sand and like snow drifts, you know, because it just happened, so they still was trying to clean up a little. So anyway, we made it down to um, Andrew's house, and it was like, okay, you want to see your mother? We're going to drive down and find a location where we can send shipments from Times Square Church. So we, we found a place down here. And then on the way back from there, we went to my mother's and walked up the stairs again. Um, in darkness, we had flashlights. And uh, I finally seen my nephew. He told me she was safe. And she, uh, my sister lives out there, so she's with him. And, you know, Andrews, and I said, do they have food? And I said, you know, do you? I asked my nephew, do you have food? He said, yes. I said, do you really have food? He said, not really. We're hungry. I said, okay, well, Andrew said, well, my wife just cooked all this food because, you know, we don't have much food and we don't want to go spoil. So we cooked this food and we was going to give it out to people. We'll just bring it to your mother, you know. So they did that. When I went home, you know, they bought the food. And later on, I found out my mother took the food. But then she and my sister, they ate. But there was so much food that they wanted to blessing other people in the building with food, you know, because they didn't have any um, electricity and anything, so nobody was really eating anything hot, you know. So it was just amazing to see how God would just work in the midst of the storm, you know, how God had people in strategic places just to be a blessing, you know. And I've been volunteering with the church. We've been going out with a van. We actually were the first group to leave the following Monday after the hurricane, one of the first groups to leave, and we were a group of uh, 16 that were in the van, and uh, we drove out with the van to uh, Fall Rockaway that day. And uh, the group that we were supposed to hook up with that that day, um, unfortunately, that was one of the uh, places that was evacuated. So they were not there. So I was driving the van and I guess I was leading the group in a sense. So we had no real place to go, but we had brought with us coats, blankets. And I felt like God put it on my heart that we wanted to give away every one of those coats and every one of those blankets, but we had no exact direction in which to go. So uh, a few of us got out and they asked some of the local people where there's a need. And we actually went further east on the Rockaway Peninsula to Far Rockaway, where there wasn't a lot of media coverage. Now, keep in mind, this is one day after the hurricane. 
So uh, we wound up driving further east on the Rockaway Peninsula and uh, getting out of the van. We were 16 people. We broke into two groups of eight, and I led one of the groups, and another guy led the other group of eight. And we went our separate ways. We each took bundles of coats and blankets. And we basically walked the streets and walked the boardwalk. And, you know, I tried to impress to the group that I was leading not to assume that anybody doesn't need. Even if they have a coat, I says maybe their mother, their sister, brother, child might need a coat. So I says let's not pass anybody by. Let's ask everybody. And, you know, keep in mind, we're on the oceanfront. The water's right there. So it's even colder than midtown Manhattan. So just keep in mind, we're very close to the ocean. It's very cold. And I didn't want to assume that even if people had a jacket, they're going home to a cold, unheated home with no lights. So everything intensifies. You know, you've been through a tragedy and you feel in the great loss and just even your basics are gone. You know, no running water in your home. And you might have to walk up 20 flights or down 20 flights of steps just to get some, uh, you know, some water, fresh water. So uh, my thing was, even if they have a coat, maybe they wanted to put a coat over their legs while they sat in the home. And I just felt like, let's not pass anybody by. So, um, And we were able to give out every one of the coats that we brought with us, which I really was so happy about. you know. And again, it wasn't like the plans that we originally set out with when we left. We had one set of plans, and we got there, and it turned to be something else. But we still went forward with our mission, with what we wanted to do. And that was basically my first day out. And I did have three other opportunities to go back out. And I have to say, like, each time was different. Even though I returned to the Rockaways two additional times and to Staten Island one time, each time is different. The needs are different. We went to um, two other areas uh, the other two times that I went out, which were uh, devastated, you know, the physical devastation of the people's properties and homes. Most of them have lost their homes. Most A lot of people live in single-story homes, and the water was up to the ceiling, so that's everything inside your home is gone. And I found, like, when we would go up to people in smaller groups, you know, groups of one-on-one or two-on-one with the, the local people in the area, that a lot of them just felt the need to talk. You know, they just wanted to repeat the story again, and I kind of related it to my event in 9-11, where I... I retold it, and you're almost retelling it in a trance-like state because it doesn't seem real what you witnessed. And a lot of these people, what they went through, it doesn't seem real to them. So I guess like by repeating the story over again, and they they tell it, they almost enter into like a a trance-like state. You know, they're just saying it without, uh, as if they're just reliving it one more time. So I felt like God was saying to me, just listen, you know, just be there, listen, and let them tell, let them tell the whole thing. And this one man in particular that we were at Midland Beach, he started to tell us about that day itself. You know, he says he's lived in that community 40 years. He's very familiar with the flooding. But this was like nothing he's ever experienced in his life. He said it started out initially maybe with a foot of water in front of his home. And then he said he was standing on the stoop and he saw a six-foot wall of water coming at him. And he heard the noise of it too. So he was re-describing both of those to us. And um, he went back in the home and you can't hold back that ocean. You know, it's too huge and too overwhelming to hold back. And again, just to jump, uh, you know, jump back, you know, that's a lot of people's first thing to do. I've heard this over and over again. They try to shut the door to hold back the ocean. And of course, the ocean always wins. And for this man, too, he said, like, he tried to go back in the house, barricade himself in, but the water comes in. 
And uh, then he realized he needed to get out, and he had to uh, go th- go out into uh, water that was up to his chin almost. And he said he was jumping the waves, you know, going to higher ground where he, he had parked the car earlier. And electrical wires were, uh, you know, sparking all around him while he was trying to walk through this flooded area. And again, you know, I just felt on my heart, just let him tell his story and let, let me listen. And then they kind of reveal a little bit more about their lives and what they've been through. Uh, he, he was, he lost his wife six years ago and he's still suffering from that even. And I just felt like God saying to me, just be quiet, just listen and let him talk. And, you know, we tried to help him also in addition, like if he wanted us to clean out his house. But he had said that he already um, signed up with another group from a Baptist church that was going to come in and help him to uh, tear down the sheetrock and throw out all his possessions. And it's just, it's devastating. You know, it's the place where you go to be comfortable and then all of a sudden it's gone. And everything that you associate with memories, photographs, and all your personal belongings are gone. And and in a sense, they're still like there in front of you too, but they're no longer there because they've just been destroyed by water and mold. So it's a very difficult situation for everybody that's left behind in these areas. So I think for people that are looking to help and don't know what to do, just start with the basics even. Even if you go on your own outside, like if you don't need to be with a group and you just walk the neighborhood and like I had stated earlier, if you could just listen to their story and let them speak and people will tell you their needs. And the one thing that I found too is that I always felt led by the Spirit to ask people if I could pray for them. And every time they've always responded with a yes. And it's just, it's such a comfort to know that, that we're interceding for you too in prayer. And there's a God that loves you. And there is hope. Even in this, there is hope. And It's going to take time, though. It's going to take more time than a lot of people have the idea of how long it's going to take. You know, they think it might be over shortly, but I think there's going to be a lot of residual emotional damage that's left behind, too. And uh, things are not going to be the same in those areas for a very long time. Starting from September, um, as I was praying to God, he was putting a burden on my heart to go reach out to the poor and to the downtrodden. And I thought, you know, maybe he's preparing me to send me out on the missions field. And um, I just continued to pray. And uh, little did I know, Sandy was on its way and it came. And um, when Pastor Carter was um, doing his emergency broadcast on on the Tuesday night, um, he talked about how it's about time for the Church of Jesus Christ to rise up and go out and um, help the needy and people who have been affected by the storm. And there was a deep stirring in my heart, and I realized, you know, this is why God was speaking to me about um, the coming days and how I should go out and reach out. So my office is actually in the financial district, so it was very hit hard, and I couldn't go to work for like a week and a half, and I realized, you know, this would be a perfect time for me to volunteer. This is my missions field. I don't have to go abroad. So I ended up um, going to this shelter in the city and just walked in and just started to volunteer, and at first I was really shy, and I didn't know anybody, but as I started to talk to people and just... um did the little things I saw how people were opening up their hearts and turned out um, a shelter in the downtown area had to close because of the power outage and um, 
I saw like you know just school buses after school buses lining up in front of the shelter, and there were flocks of people just coming in and in and in. So I started setting up cots and distributing blankets, and I met this one particular single mother with three children, and I just helped her out and just encouraged her. And you know that was day one, and I went home, and then the second day. I went back and saw the single mother and the three children, and um, that was a Friday night when we were having the gate, um, the service for the youth. So then I invited out her children to come to the gate, and they were open about it. And I saw the mom, and she looked very sad and um, distressed. So I asked her if she needed she needed prayer, and she said, "Yeah, I need prayer. I need Jesus." So I started to pray for her, um, and she said she needed peace. And I prayed for peace, and um, I ended up sharing my testimony with her and just encouraged her. And she told me, you know, I never felt this much peace in my life. And can I go to the gate with my children? And I was like, of course. So she ended up coming to the gate and um, with her daughter, and she rededicated her life to the Lord. She told me that she was saved, but she um, went astray. And God really reminded me of the parable of the lost sheep in Matthew 18, about He would leave the 99 to go after that one sheep、um, that went astray. And I was so thankful that God used me to reach out to her and to bring her back to、um, the kingdom of God.
We pray that you've been encouraged and even challenged by some of the short stories in this podcast today. No question that there are many, many people who have been more deeply affected by Hurricane Sandy. And the relief efforts continue. And so we encourage you to go to tscnyc.org. That's tscnyc.org. And find out how you can get involved as we realize the relief efforts will continue for a very long time. And again, remember, if ever we put the messenger before the message, we have failed to present an unblemished gospel. I'm Greg Thomas. Join us again next time on TSC Music with a mission. Take joy, my King, in what you hear and let it be a sweet sound in your ear. We sincerely hope and pray that this podcast is a sweet sound in your ear. We also hope you'll join the conversation online because Music with a Mission doesn't end here. So check out TSC Music on Facebook to share your thoughts and get regular updates. Follow us on Twitter at TSC Music Tweet. And don't forget to use the hashtag MWM Podcast. Watch and share videos on our YouTube page at youtube.com slash TSC Music TV. And of course, you can always email us at music at timesquarechurch.org or visit the website tscnyc.org slash music. Portions of music in this podcast provided by TSC Music, produced by the director of TSC Music, Greg Thomas, mixed and engineered by Harry Vaughn and Jungbin Kim, and I'm the project manager, Jesse Carrasco. Coming up next week, join us for another edition of Music with a Mission.